Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, guys, to the show. I'm Jake Allen Bogan. He is Cameron Lynch, and this is Believe in Rams episode 147. Um, I'm going to take a play out of Cam's playbook because right before the show, he said this is a bigger than football episode. And, um, you know, we have to make that very clear. We're going to start this off talking about uh, Buffalo Bills defensive back Demar Hamlin. He's 24 years old. And if you guys uh, didn't see last night, you know, I, I was watching the game and I'm sure a lot of you were. Um, Demar went into cardiac arrest after uh, suffering what some to believe is commodio cordis when your chest makes contact uh, at the precise moment of your heartbeat, um, your heart can actually stop. Um, we don't know for sure, um, but that's something that is going around. And regardless, just we're praying for Damar Hamlin. We're praying for his family. We're praying for, you know, the Buffalo Bills family, Bills Mafia. Um, we could sit here and say, you know, this team's going to beat this team. And, you know, I, I, this player annoys the hell out of me and all that. And, oh, he ruined my bet. He ruined my fantasy team. But at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to what we were saying last episode. Uh, you know, Cam and I discussed um, the Shazier injury and why these guys literally put their lives on the line. And we didn't want a, you know, a modern day example. Uh, we, we didn't want this to happen. We didn't want anything like this to happen. But this is literally an example of what we were talking about. Um, I know people made some insensitive comments in regards to this. They made it about themselves. They made it about the vaccine. Just really uh, ridiculous comments. Um, but I ask that, you know, let's just keep this as uh, welcoming, professional, uh, heart, you know, warming and just, uh, you know, as supportive as possible when, you know, if you're part of the football community, if you're a fan, you are, if you're a content creator in the football space, you are, um, you know, just seeing guys like Adam Schefter and, and Ryan Clark fighting back tears, uh, while trying to do their job last night and not just them, but those are two that come to mind. Um, it's just a, a constant reminder that, you know, we're dealing with a human being here. It's not about the football player. It's about a 24 year old kid uh, who's living out his dream. Um, so I'm going to pass it over uh, to Cam. But, you know, I, I had to start off the show. We, we have to start off the show talking about it uh, because it's just irresponsible to, to blow this thing under the rug. This is this is bigger than the game. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jake. It's bigger than a game, right? We have an ad read to re jump into, but that can wait, right? That ad read can wait. Anything else when it comes to the game of football can wait after player safety, right? And for DeMar Hamlin, for him to go through what he went through, tragic, right? And so I know we're going to drop his charity uh, in the link and in the comments so people can donate. And I think that's the biggest win from this is showing and seeing the La Familia, right? La Familia is the sports family, uh, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the first thing he said after he scored 71 points was, I hope the safety from the Buffalo Bills is doing well, right? It's a, it's a family thing. It's a sports thing. And so understanding that sports is bigger, it's sports is, is bigger than the actual game that's being played, right? There's humans, there's there's sons that are on the field. There's daughters that are on the field and their health and safety comes first. And I think we always talk about it. And so, um, 
I think Jake mentioned it is just some of the insensitive comments that come towards that. Um, and, and so really put it in perspective for the fan out there listening to this uh, Believe in Rams podcast. We cover the Rams all the time, but today we're going to make sure that we show love to the Buffalo Bills and that community. It also, too, put in perspective, people with children, people with brothers and sisters out there, just think about it. If your brother or sister were to go play a sports game, a rec game, right, pick up basketball, whatever that is, and they have these type of troubles, you would want the same energy, the same type of prayers, the same type of love. And so let's make sure we reciprocate that here on this podcast. Um, it's our responsibility to bring awareness to that. And so w- without further ado, Jake, I'm going to pass the mic back to you. But thank you for starting the podcast off this way. We'll jump into the Rams and the Chargers, right? We know what happened in that game. The Rams have the Seahawks nest next. So we're going to prepare for that. But I'm glad we took the time to discuss that first. I absolutely agree. I think, it, you know, you have to. Um, just to give a little bit of a background on DeMar Hamlin, um, you know, I scout just about, you know, 300 to 400 prospects a year. And when Hamlin was coming out, he was my 11th overall safety in the draft. I loved the player, was hoping the Rams would snag him. He went in the sixth round of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but just to give you an idea of his character, it could have gone anywhere. He was a really, really highly touted uh, recruit. Um but he wanted to stay home uh, because he wanted his brother uh, to have a role model to look up to. Even though Alabama was knocking, even though LSU was knocking, all the, the Georgias and everybody, he stayed at Pitt. Um, so, you know, that that is, it says a lot about his character there that, you know, he wanted to be a positive influence and a role model to his brother. And that's why he stayed at home. Uh, you just rarely hear about stuff like that. And then in accordance to that, he also started a toy drive, uh, which we are going to post the link uh, in the comment section. I'm going to pin that. Um, that will be there. That way it doesn't get lost in the description or anything. It will be right in the comment section. And uh, basically, he had been doing the toy drive for, I believe, three years. Well, uh, yesterday, someone found the toy drive link that had still been up on uh, GoFundMe, but had not been you know, really active, right? And it went from like, two thousand uh dollars in in donations to cam i think last time i checked it was at four million Mm -hmm. um it this is what happens when you know a community comes together and it just goes to show you this isn't just about him like you're you're not forced to have a you know basically you're not forced to have a charity you're not forced to do this um you know and, and i think about it every day you know, how much just the regular everyday human has on their brain, how much they have on their mind, how many things they have to remember, how many things they have to do, all the responsibilities. And just the fact that a 24-year-old kid who's living out his dream, I mean, think of that, he's three years younger than me. And he's in the NFL. And, you know, he makes it, you know, basically his mission to every single year do a holiday toy drive. That is incredible. Um, and it just shows to the type of person he is. And I'm, I mean, obviously if this happened to anybody in the NFL, you know, everyone is going to react the same way. Um, but when you have it happen to somebody who's giving back to the community, who's clearly, you know, an upstanding person, um, and just everybody talks like Mike Tomlin brought it up. He's known him since he was 12. Um, just a great kid, you know, that it hit, it definitely hits home. Um, you know, so I'm glad we were able to discuss it. 
obviously we do have, you know, the rest of the podcast to get to. I know you guys are tuning in because you do want to listen to the Ram stuff and we will get to that. Um, but yes, Cam, absolutely agree. Had to bring this up. Uh, praying for Damar and his family. I cannot imagine what they're going through. Um, what a supportive family going to all his games as well. I mean, the fact that they were there was really big. Um, but it just, it sucks. They went down that way and be honest, if they never play this game, I don't really care. I don't think, uh, I don't, if they were to cancel the week, I think that might honestly be the best move for the NFL. Mm -hmm. I, I think if they moved everything back, uh, a week, I think we could do that. Um, because right now nobody was caring. Well, I mean, there were some people out there, but you know, real people with a heart don't care about their bets. They don't care about fancy football. Uh, and they don't care about this silly game because at the end of the day, that's all it is. We love it. We love the sport, but I mean, this is this is less about a, a torn ACL out for the year and more about life and death. Mm -hmm. So that I definitely had to start it this way. Um, and I'll pass it to you in case you have anything else to say. Yeah, no, that's I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Jake. Um, and I know it's always tough to transition into a an ad read right after after speaking on Very something tough. this this heavy. But um, you know, I, I think we took the time to do it, and I think everyone should um, everyone should reevaluate. You know, when it comes to sports, right? Like, don't take it for granted. You know, hug the hug the people you're supporting, hug your family and but family and friends, not only in sports, but just in general, right? Just make sure that you're showing love to the people you do love because life is short. Um, it can happen on the football field. It can happen when you walk outside. And so just really taking that into consideration. But, um, you know, Jake, thank you for doing that. And um, I know we have the ad read up next, so feel free to jump into that. We can talk some some Rams, Chargers, and uh, next week Seahawks. Absolutely. Uh, so, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost all any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Cam, uh, burning question here. Now, you know, talking about the Rams. Did the Rams put all their juice into the Broncos game? and ultimately fell flat versus the Chargers because of it. Because I have a lot of people asking me, like, was this just because, you know, and, and we talk about it in any sport. Anytime you, you you pile it on to a team, you know, uh, I think it was Babe Ruth that quoted, you know, yesterday's runs don't mean, they, they don't count for today's game, you know. And it's spot on. But, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and scold them for scoring 51 I wanted that to happen. I thought they needed that step. But sometimes when you're a team like this, you're looking for any sort of momentum. Uh, you're looking for any sort of positivity. And I feel like they may have left it all on the field in that game. <laughs> and there were some, you know, obviously there were some players that had some good games. I think Bobby Wagner, once again, model of consistency. He didn't blow up or anything like that, but I thought he had a good game. Um, you know, to his standards and then cam acres. But aside from that, it was a rough day at the office for the LA Rams. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and you're, you're, to your Babe Ruth quote, right? You're only as good as really your last performance. Their last performance was the Broncos score 50 points. That's great. One thing we always talk about, Jake, 24-hour rule, <laughs> right? Like yeah. we're, we're talking about the Chargers now, but we have to prepare to talk about the Seahawks and understanding what that looks like. And so for the Rams and the Broncos game, did the Rams apply the 24-hour rule? I'm not sure what that looks like, right? I'm not sure what that yeah. looks like. And even to be honest, if we, if we take it back, we always talk about it, but on the season in general, after the Super Bowl, did we apply that 24-hour rule, even 24-day rule at that, right? Yeah. I think it's it's all been a carryover. And so I think that's something to note in this offseason. I know we every time we post this podcast, Jake, I always tweet after it, and we always say, finish the season, season strong. Broncos game, finish that strong. This Chargers game, mm, not so much, but also get better in the offseason. And I think one of the notes in the offseason is going to be, hey, we have to be able to turn the page quicker. That's just been the model of the season is turn the page quicker. Turn the page from the Super Bowl season. Turn the page from wins and losses, right, to prepare for that next week. And just going back to this game, the Rams' identity has been has been on defense specifically has been stopping the run and the Rams did not do that well this game. Um we ran the ball really well, right? Cam Makers had 19 carries for 90 something yards. Like we did well running the ball, but stopping the run, I don't think we did a great enough job doing that. I mean, you know, Eckler, he went off. Uh, the, both of the running backs, they just went off this game. Their receivers, we talked about it. Uh, they went off. I think um, we talk about our our game breakers. Well, you mentioned Mike Will. Mike, Mike, and yeah. I, he might have had the catch of the year. <laughs> I that, mean, I, that was not getting talked about enough after the game. I no. was like, you're you're right. I mean, just because I feel like guys don't get the credit if they don't hold on to it with one hand throughout the entirety of the process. But like, he sucked it in with one hand, and then just basically tucked it in right as he was going to the ground, but while also keeping both feet in bounds, that is a <laughs> hell of a catch. Nasty. It's not, it, it, it's not Justin Jefferson's crazy flipping, whatever the hell that was against uh, Buffalo. But I, I mean, that was one of the best catches of the year for sure. Yeah. And the fact in the catch and then the actual throw, right? I think we talked about yes. this, Jake, we always talk about this. We talked about Patrick Mahomes eating up to, uh, uh, the Rams soft zone coverage and it was a similar throw, similar defense, but that the spot he threw it in, the honey spot, the dead spot of the cover two defense, right behind the corner, right in front of the safety, that's one of the hardest throws to throw in football. And the fact that Justin Herbert put it right over Troy Hill's head, you know, like right in front of Nick Scott, the, the, the catch, the, the throw was impeccable. That's teach tape. It's, it's hard to do. And the fact that Mike Will caught that ball and the other catches he had all game, I mean, it just got, they were just unstoppable. It was, it was unstoppable. Um, and I think just going back to the original point, the Chargers ran the ball better than the Rams did. They got, they forced one, one, one more turnover than the Rams did. And it just didn't turn out how we wanted it to, Jake. I mean, the Chargers play, I know we talked about the Chargers not being a great team. They didn't stop the run very well, and I think that's going to be their Achilles heel once they get into the playoffs. Cam Akers went off, right? We're seeing prime Cam Akers right now. I think that outside of the Denver game, that was his best game, I I believe, right? Scoring three touchdowns, like he was on fire. 
But this game all around, I think we've seen the best of Cam Akers catching the football. I know he had one drop in the beginning, but running the football, he was unbelievable. And was it, that um, him yeah. or was that Baker overthrowing him? I still couldn't figure that out. I, it's tough because you see guys like Devontae Adams catch insane footballs, and it's like if the yeah, ball, t- if the ball touches fair, you. Though, like a running back. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I, yeah mean, I, think, I think it was a combination of both being overthrown, yeah, but also, too. too, like, hey, you can lay out, catch that football, get back it's up true. and continue running. So it's, it's, neither, it's neither here nor there, but I think he had one of the better performances that I think I've seen out of him so far. Well, and then my favorite play was not even a run. It was the pass protection rep. Uh, my guy, Nasir Adderley, I loved him coming out of Delaware in the draft. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and, uh, man, he got – is there another word for flattened? Because, like, I, I thought Baker hesitated to throw the ball because I think he was actually enjoying watching it happen in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, you're, you're that's what you love to see. You're running back just – selling out to stop the I mean this is a guy that has clearly made strides in an area of his game where I always felt like he was very uh and and don't get me wrong he's not a you know finished product by any stretch but that was a really good uh step in, in the right direction for him in pass protection which has always been his Achilles heel I thought um but this is a really good game for Cam Akers I said it off air and I'll say it on air uh, he was the only redeeming quality of this game. Mm-hmm. And what I have to say, because I don't feel like it would be doing it justice if I didn't, the Rams should have been winning this game at one point. Early on, they missed that that touchdown, like you're saying. And, I mean, they had a chance to go up on the Chargers. Uh, they get a stop, and then all of a sudden their defense is playing like crap. And, I mean, let's be honest here. And this is where I kind of push back on the whole, see, the Chargers are better than the Rams. They're way better. Like, they dominated. They did. But, I mean, this Rams defense did not play like this at any point this season. This was the worst Mm -hmm. defensive performance I've seen from the Rams. uh, I don't know how long. I mean, they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher all year. So, Mm -hmm. to me, it's one of those anomaly games. They came in. They just didn't show up. And, like, that's the thing. Even though... You could say that was the case when the Rams played Buffalo week one. They just didn't show up. Um, They forced four turnovers on the Bills. So, I mean, the Mm -hmm. defense did actually show up, and they forced turnovers. The offense didn't do anything. In this game, I thought the offense did some more things that you do like. You know, they moved the ball. uh, They went away from the run a little bit, um, but they did move the ball. Baker had some opportunities. You could say he may have overthrown uh cam he definitely overthrew a wide open two two at well that would have been six right there um he didn't look great but again i also think you know joey bosa came back we kind of overlooked that i think when going back and watching the pod i was like man i don't think we mentioned once that like bosa was like i mean him being back was huge and i feel like they also i see what they were doing having Chandler Brewer start at right guard. He's back. You like him, but man, I'm not touching the starting five last week that only allowed one pressure. I just feel like that was a mistake. It's not something that you're probably going to hear on any other podcast. Cause no one's mentioning that. Um, but I think it goes back to the chain argument that I always make. Mm-hmm. You have five steel chains. That is your offensive line. When you find your starting go-to offensive line, which I believe the Rams did for this season in this moment, 
last week. Now you replace one of those chains with, with a lesser quality of chain. It's not made out of steel. Maybe it's made out of, I don't know, paper, right? Like yeah. now all of a sudden it's going to go down a little bit. And I think Chandler Brewer is a solid football player, but I think with the way, uh, you know, Ode Abushi has been playing, I don't change anything about that offensive line going into that game. That was a mistake. I understand they're trying to get some play, you know, out of Chandler Brewer. He comes back from IR. Uh, you know, you ever heard the term? <laughs> if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, hey, okay. You can say, well, Jake, the, the they were carving out run lanes for Cam Akers. Yeah, we told you guys that was going to happen. I mean, the Chargers run defense is terrible. Okay, like, let's be honest here. It's <laughs> yeah. just not very good. Um, that doesn't take anything away from what they were doing, but I think it's a lot easier cam to, you know, carve out running lanes and be better in the run blocking area than it is to just all of a sudden work out and pass pro, especially when you're going up against guys like Bosa and Khalil Mack and uh, Sebastian Joseph day and Morgan Fox. And I would like to point out every single Ram that we mentioned (laughs) had something in this game. Mo Fox with a sack, Sebastian Joseph Day with a sack, and of course, cannot forget Gerald Everett. Like we all knew, right? I mean, if you didn't put some money on Gerald Everett scoring an anytime touchdown, I don't know what you were doing. That was easy money. You knew Gerald Everett was going to score against his team, uh, and uh, yeah, he scored a touchdown. So, just that type of day at the office for the Rams. Um, but at the same time, look, it's not their season. You know, it would have been nice to win. I. Parts of this game made me feel like Brandon Staley wanted this more than anything. Parts of this game made me feel like Sean McVay wanted this, but I don't think his players weren't, there wasn't the urgency that we saw uh, the last few weeks. Yeah, I agree. And I think we talked about it right last week was the Mr. Miyagi and the karate kid, right? Where the, you know, the karate kid, he, Brandon Staley, he got the best of Sean McVay, you know, Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers, Got the best of Sean McVay, and what I really, what I, the taste that I really liked though, Jake, was to see them take out Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter. You know, they're up by twenty-one points, and they're like, "Hey, Mr. Miyagi Sensei, like we know you're getting this butt whoop right now. We're gonna pull back the reins a little bit, right?" Matt Lafleur, uh, Aaron Rodgers taking the knee before uh, before they scored uh, during the Packers game. So that's one big respect that I do like seeing is that they didn't have to run the score up and beat down, you know, their former Sensei, but. I do believe that the that they wanted it more than Sean McVay, that their teams wanted it for their coaches more than Sean McVay to see the Chargers be done with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Jake, like that's that's a lot of time. That's that's a clear butt whipping. And so, you know, <clears throat> you also mentioned Sean McVay changing the offensive lineup a little bit. The pressure was coming. I mean, you got Hall of Famers on the other side of the ball. And now you have a weaker chain, a weaker offensive line. How are you expecting to protect a first-round quarterback at Baker Mayfield, you know, and throwing the ball successfully like that's very hard to do. Um, They picked up the run game, but the pass game suffered. And I do believe in this game they needed the pass to work out. Van Jefferson, though, my man was catching that football, Jake. I know, I don't know if we, we included him on that game ball, but he was making big catches and he spelled Baker Mayfield many a times when he's running for his life, big explosive catches, 
17 plus yards, Van Jefferson. So I also want to highlight him as well. He plays big in big moments. Just Baker Mayfield was running for his life the whole game. So it, it was yeah. it was tough to do. Yeah, it it was one of those games, man, where you're just like, really? That that's just the season <laughs> in a nutshell. Like to to come out of a 51-14 win give your fans hope like, okay, they're going to beat this playoff team. <laughs> yeah. And then they just go back to, and I wouldn't even say they go back to anything. Cause this was the worst game I think of the year. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the only game all season long cam the first game all year. They allowed a hundred yard rusher and they went into the fourth quarter without a chance of winning. Mm, yeah. It, mean, was it was unacceptable. That was the worst game of the year. It was unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that Eckler was breaking those runs, I was like, wait, I haven't seen this all year. You know, I know Austin Eckler, he's a great running back, right? Like, he runs the ball really well. Yeah. But both run – Joshua no, Kelly – he's not been like that all year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He he finally he found the end zone a lot, but he hasn't broken – I think it was like his longest run of the year, 71 yards, yeah. right? Like, he did it against the Rams. Um, the levy broke – Poor tackling. Poor tackling. The levy broke for, for the Rams' defense. It, uh my man using that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Did. The levy broke for the Broncos. Uh, you know, uh, they had a situation where they had to let go of their head coach. I don't know if we talked about that. Um, yeah, just the Broncos, their head coach, the levy breaking, the Rams forcing that levy to break. And I do believe for this game, the levy broke for the Rams defense, right? There's always those points in the season. Unfortunately, it came the second to last game of our season. But one other great thing is that there's a 24 hour rule, Jake. And we got one more game, <laughs> one more game left. So uh, there's still hope, right? But we only have it for one more game. So I think the Rams, is, it's important for the Rams to finish this one strong. I feel like I sound like a broken record, but coming off of the, the the Chargers game, the Broncos game, it was like this, this, and now hopefully we come we come up on, on this one. No, I agree. I mean, this is, this is it. We want to see, obviously just a win, but... Um, if you have any more juice, if you didn't like basically suck it all dry in the, the Broncos game, all needs to come out now because look, not just the fans are depending on this. Okay. Not just the Rams, not just their fans, not just the coaches, the GMs, etc. but the lions are also depending on this. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie this. I'll connect this multiple ways. So there's a bunch of former Rams on the lions you know, they're still teammates, you know, former teammates of Jared Goff and, you know, company that Brockers. you know are, are with the Rams Brockers. And, and, you know, here's, here's my thing. Okay. It's not even just about the lions that I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see them in the playoffs. Cause I think they have the best chance of beating the, uh, the 49ers. And I think the 49ers are going to be the two seed. And there's never in the history of this only been four games, but there's never in the history been a seven seed take down a two. And I don't think it's happening with Seattle. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't see it. I don't think Seattle's that great. I think the Rams, they almost beat them the last time they played them. They would have beat them if they were playing with Baker Mayfield. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we know, ran the ball. Thought, <laughs> yeah. Ran the ball, played with Baker. I mean, look, Wolford did a good job in that game. I'm not taking anything away from him, but a little bit more juice out of Baker and they win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, so. I'm not, you know, sorry, but I'm not sitting here, you know, applauding the Seattle Seahawks. They're better than, um, well, they're actually about as good as I expected. I 
said early on before the season started, Seattle's better than Arizona and people are going to complain and whatnot, but they are, and they have proven that. Um, the finale in this in Seattle, as you very well know, because I, you know, you used to play in Seattle all the time. Uh, it feels like it, it was always the Rams and the season in Seattle. This year, it's the same thing. Um, but the fact that there are some stakes here and the Rams could actually spoil a division rival from getting in the playoffs, because it's very simple. If Seattle wins this game, then if the Lions beat the Packers, they make it. Okay, it's it's really just that simple. The Packers control their destiny, right? And they're playing in Green Bay, but they're playing against one of the most explosive offenses in football and one of the best turning around I've seen of a defense this year uh, because they have played a lot better uh, as of late. So that's not a guarantee for the Packers. And I think the Rams can really spoil Seattle. And I think every Rams fan wants that, but I know there are a lot of Rams fans pulling for the lions. And if you want that, then yeah, you're going to need the Rams to have to pull through because there's no way. And this is also, it also comes all the way back around cam because there are lions fans that have been rooting against the Rams all year because they want a better pick. Well, this game, you have to root for the Rams. If you want to make the playoffs, <laughs> the tables have turned my friend. The tables have certainly turned. <laughs> and who's the biggest Kripper night when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks that the Rams have Bobby, Bobby Wagner, which you yes. gotta, you gotta win a game for him, man. You can't, to. can't go out with two losses. You can't get swept by his former team when he no. balled out the last game. <laughs> yeah. Bobby. Wag I think so. Jake, what do you think? Do you think Bobby Wagner gets another interception for his fumble, like 13, 14 tackles? Like, what do you think Bobby Wagner is going to do? Because I know he's into the season off strong. He, oh, I, he's probably feeling like the Grinch right now, right? They're, his team's not going to the playoffs. He could possibly be taken from the Seahawks. What do you think Bobby Wagner is going to do against the Seahawks? I mean, look, okay. He said <laughs> it's nothing personal. Like, it's just business. But if you have a chance to take away a playoff berth from the team that gave up on you, because let's be honest here, mm. we can call it a business. We can sugarcoat it all we want, but Seattle basically said, Hey, Bobby, you're not that guy. We're, you're not that guy. We're, we're moving on from you. You know, that dude at the, <laughs> that, that TikTok, <laughs> not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, yeah. but uh, no, I mean, for real, like Bobby Wagner can be all humble and everything, but, I mean, we're all human. I'm sure he's like, I can't wait to beat, <laughs> you know, like yeah. he doesn't have to show it. And that's what professionals do. They hide that emotion. But right. uh, I, I mean, come on now, if you're Bobby Wagner and you have a chance to ruin Seattle's hopes of, uh, you know, getting that playoff berth. Um, I mean, I'd want to do it even if my team was going to the playoffs, but if your team's not, the jealousy is definitely going to kick in and be like, man, <laughs> I got to win this game anyway, because I want to win. But now right. I get some little extra added incentive to this. So I don't know, man. Uh, Bobby Widener might just turn into a comet. He might just go nuclear. Like he yeah. might just have like three interceptions. And I, I don't know. <laughs> We've never seen this opportunity for Bobby Wagner before. So, yeah. I mean, he blocked a kick against the uh, Buccaneers uh, where he jumped over the line. Mm -hmm. um, so he did that. He's had an interception this year. Um, well, he's had two, I think. He's yeah. had multiple sacks. He's had a forced fumble, I believe. He's got a lot of tackles. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cam, I don't know. Put him in at put him in at the goal line, let him catch a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, at this point, right? At this point. 
<laughs> At this point, why not? Yeah, and I, and I know too, right? Like we're talking about the Chargers. You know, we're going to be talking about Seattle a little bit later, but the 24-hour rule is in effect, Jake, right? Like talking about the Chargers too much is going to make me a little angry. No, but uh, I know we're going to we're going to recap. We're going to we're going to prepare for the Seahawks coming up soon here. Um, but also too, we just kind of refresh the game balls a little bit um, for the Rams. You know, um, I know we talked about we opened up with Cam Makers. Uh, crushing it, uh, Van Jefferson. You know, I think he he did a great job with the catches that he had through receptions with seventy seven yards. Like, I think he crushed it. And then also too, I wouldn't say game ball, but shout out to Sean McVay for adding in that twelve personnel, the twenty one personnel. Right, you're seeing Hopkins in the backfield as a fullback blocking for Acres. Right, just I love the adjustments, and I know you mentioned it too. We kind of got away from that in the second half, but. Just the game balls, you know, like I said, Van Jefferson, want to add him one, add a boy for Van Jefferson, add a boy to Sean McVay for changing up the offense a little bit. And then I think Cam Makers on the offensive side gets, gets the game ball as well. Um, and then defensively, uh, really quick, I, I want to go to Jalen Ramsey. Um, I know we give Jalen Ramsey a little bit of flack um, just because it's like, hey, you're getting burnt by these Hall of Famers. Like, you know, we want you to do better, but. They're Hall of Famers, number one. So, you know, he is a tough duty there. And also, too, Rob Havenstein, he's he's a tackle going up against the best defensive ends and the best pass rushers. So just like Jalen Ramsey, they're the best players in their respective position, but they just don't get they, – they just get – they get exposed a lot, right? But going back to Jalen Ramsey, the attaboy on the defensive side, he had a couple edge rushes uh, from the slot. And he forced the quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly or knock the ball out of his hand. So that I was a fumble. That, the fumble. Yep. Okay. The, <laughs> the fumble. Let's be clear. Come on. The bitterness had to come out at some point. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That should have been a fumble. But, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I think he was really effective in those slot blitzes, those corner blitzes. So I just want to shout out those guys. I know it's hard to talk about Rams charters right now, but we do have to highlight the guys that did really well on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, Riley Dixon has activated this game. And I knew, Jake, I knew the game was going to be a little rough when we saw Riley Dixon come out in the first and second series. I'm like, dang, last game, no punts. This game, punny after the first and second series. So I knew it was going to be a rough game, but just want to shout those guys out. And I want to pass it to you. I don't know if you want to highlight some of the guys as well. Um, Well, I'm in, I don't know. I'm, I'm in kind of a hurry to get out of this game forever. Uh, so... <laughs> Same. I don't know, man. I like I said. I mean, I I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the most redeeming quality about this game was Cam Akers. Just watching mm-hmm. him in pass pro, uh, watching him as a receiver out of the backfield. I know they, you know, they didn't connect on that touchdown. Obviously, would have been a touchdown, and who knows? That probably changes the entire complexion of the game. But he's the first Rams running back to over a hundred yards in back to back games since C.J. Anderson did it. Um, so I, I know people were expecting that to be Todd, but yeah, yeah it was CJ Anderson, that crazy last, what, four or five games he had, they, they signed him off his couch. And I, I mean, ball, that was unbelievable, but yeah. you, you know, I just, I feel like right now, um, and I've been very skeptical about cam Akers and his ability to stay consistent. Um, I think, and I said this on the last show, I think we just underestimated how ridiculous it is to come back from that injury. And I, the hope is knowing that we now know uh, because Jordan Rodriguez report, which we shared last episode uh, that he is a restricted free agent after 2024 instead of being a just flat out unrestricted free agent. 
um, I think there's a chance he could have a legitimate future here as the feature back. Um, for people in attendance who may love Kyron Williams, and I'm definitely one of those guys, I still think he's, I think he's got a role in this league. Um, I don't think Cam Akers being a feature, you know, makes it like, okay, we can't have Kyron Williams too. Um, I think Sean McVay has got to get better at managing multiple running backs. And I think that's part of the reason why they moved on now seeing it. I think it's part of the reason why they moved on from Daryl Henderson because they flat out uh, did not treat him the right way. Um, I don't think they really knew how to manage the running back. And I say we, I mean, I think Thomas Brown does a nice job. I think Sean McVay, that's his biggest issue is that managing the run game. And I just think as long as, you know, Daryl Henderson was there, it was going to hold back acres. As long mm. as acres was there, it was going to hold back Henderson. They could not operate with those two being very similar to each other. So I feel like now uh, the hope is anyway that Kyron's too different from Cam Akers, where there's not an overlap. There are guys that can complement each other. The way I liken it is in a way like Kyron Williams to me is very similar to Austin Eckler. He just doesn't have the speed. Um, and Cam Akers kind of reminds me a little bit of like J.K. Dobbins mixed with a Joe Mixon. Um, mm. w- the guys that can help you in the receiving game as well. Uh, but as long as he puts it together, like they got an all around game where you can give him 20 carries in the freezing cold and they're not going to, you know, hesitate, you know. And so I think really we're seeing some good things out of Cam Akers finish the season strong. Uh, we know what Todd did uh, when he got a chance to play in Seattle uh, so hopefully, you know, we can get a game like that out of acres. Cause I think they're going to need it. I mean, right now the offense, it has to not be feeling very good after that game. Um, you know, Seattle just had a really good defensive game against the jets. So, you know, they're going to be coming all out. And I, I don't know. I think really, if I take anything away from this game, at least we're getting some idea of what cam acres in 2022 to slash 2023 looks like. And I think, that is really like that's a mission accomplished because if they ended the season with acres running the way he did before, um, you know, there's still that, you know, thing in the back of your mind, you spent a second rounder, he's your highest pick in five years and he's got the talent and, and the potential. But I, I mean, if he continued on that path, there's no way you bring him back. Now no. you have your guy potentially. Yeah. I think, He's your guy with caution. I think you could go into next year with him, Kyron Williams, and a draft pick later on. And before you scold at me for not wanting Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, <laughs> I don't think they need a running back that early, you know? And I'll say this you know what round Pacheco went in? The seventh. So you don't mm-hmm. need a running back that early. And there's no need for them to. They have other needs, they have other positions where they can, you know, upgrade. No need to draft running back that early. And I think that was one of the good things, Cam, uh, that, you know, having acres kind of emerge at the end of this season has allowed now the Rams to maybe reevaluate how they'll attack the draft, maybe how they'll attack free agency. I know there's going to be people out there that want, oh, I mean, Josh Jacobs is available. Tony Pollard. Look, I love Tony Pollard as much as the next guy. He's probably the most underutilized running back in the league. So probably doesn't make any sense for him to go to the Rams. Um, (laughs) But but, I mean, hear me out there though. Like if, if cam Akers continues to play like this, then 
all those guys are luxuries. They're not needs. And think about this. We were talking about the Christian McCaffrey deal. I went back and forth on that. And I always came to the conclusion, his injuries scare me. And I don't want to give up that much for a guy that has injury issues. And I know the 49ers are averaging like 28 points per game since they got him. So it's worked out well for them. It works out well until there's an injury. And who's to say that's not going to happen? And who's to say it's not going to happen with Cam, right? He dealt with some injuries early on in his career. But the point is, they already spent the second on Cam. That's already paid in full. And now they have an extra year potentially with the restrictive free agent tag. I think this this works out for them. And I'm glad ultimately they didn't make a move where they had to go out and get a big name running back. I think right now Cam is playing better than just about any running back in football over the last couple of weeks. And if this continues, then you have your guy who you believed in when you drafted him in the second round. He had to go through a bump in the road in his career with the injury. But if you have that, then you don't need to draft a running back. You don't need to trade for one. And you can look at moving your capital if you're going to move it for something else that will help you and you can build around him. And that's why I'll always push back when people are like, but you hate Cam. I never hated Cam. I said I didn't <laughs> I didn't like him. And that doesn't mean I dislike him, right? It just means I was no longer uh, like a fan. I wasn't sitting there like, man, I, I really like this guy. Like, I think he, I was kind of out on him because I thought, you know, running backs only have until like 30 years old. I was already starting to see a decline. So, I'll, you know, sue me for being a little worried. But now, <laughs> look, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. I understand it was the Chargers defense, right? But if he continues this on, he has a really good game against Seattle. Definitely, he's going to be back next year with Kyron, with a potential number three running back. And uh, look, the offense can be better next year yeah, anyway, because anybody would be better than how this offense went this year with all yeah, the injuries. Absolutely. And also, too, I want to add in seeing Malcolm Brown step in, right? He had a big touchdown run. Big pass, but big he missed the, the goal pass line pro. layup. <laughs> missed the goal. I know, hit the hit the uh, the goal post there, right? But yeah. I wonder, you know, I wonder how that supported Cam Makers and his maturity in the room, right? Because um, when when Malcolm Brown came on, I think Henderson was just leaving, so these guys were kind of passing. And I think I mentioned it. Just having that veteran presence in the locker room can definitely act as that other coach, right? Sean McVay's probably like, hey, Malcolm. Go ahead and tell Cam, like, just to relax, you know, sit with them, run through the plays with them, pass pro and all that. But a lot of times, you know, people overlook that. But I do think Malcolm Brown has served as a positive catalyst in that running back room. Cam Akers is balling right now. I think we talked about it in the last podcast. For the Rams to do well this game, Cam Akers going to have to run the ball extremely well. And that's what they did. Pass game suffered. You know, you know we'll, we'll chalk that one up. Uh, Eckler had an outstanding, the best game of his career, you know? So like that's, that's either here nor there, but I think Malcolm Brown was a, is a positive catalyst in that running back room. So then now, like you said, next year, do we need more running backs? Do we have our running backs here? And I think we, we found them. I think Cam Akers has arrived finally. Um, he's, he's all in. And I do think that's because of Malcolm Brown and just what work they put in. So, um, you know, moving forward, Moving forward, run the ball really well. And then two, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Like <laughs> going with the offensive line for the Rams. Um, 
And you know what what hurts as well is to see Rob Havenstein struggle versus some of these elite defensive ends, right? It's like that wear and tear on the body. He's been that he's been that anchor for that offensive line. Everyone else has changed. All four positions have changed, but him. And yeah. we're seeing him a little struggle a little bit more towards the end of the season, going on 17 games on the year. You know, is his body breaking down? What does that look like? And so making sure for this next year that your offensive linemen are fresh. You know, they feel fresh, that they don't feel discombobulated and broken down because Rob Havenstein is one of the better tackles, but he's going against your Bosa's. He's going against your Chandler Joneses. And that's tough. Hall of Famers, week in and week out, like you're going to get toasted. So maybe this last game, finding some support with him, you know, having a, a, the a Hopkins step up in the backfield and chip protect for him and just showing love to these offensive linemen because they're struggling up front, right? And during the pass rush, and we do know Seattle's defensive line, they're going to get after it. They're not, they're not great at stopping the run, but they're going to get after it. And so making sure that the offensive line is protected this last game is going to be really important. And Cam Akers running that ball. He's been doing a good job of doing it. So I think continuing to see that would be great. And, and also, I would like to say this too, just going on the Rams defensive line. Guys got to play better, right? We talked about, you know, where the resources come in at for next year. If Aaron Donald gets hurt again next year, you know, who's going to be that? You know, we have gains, of course, but who are going to be those people up front to support the run game, right? To provide pressure, to help out the defensive backs. The defensive backs, they, we need help. <laughs> like, let's just, I mean, you always talk about the safety position. We need help. So a lot of ways where you can help that is when up front you're dominant. When up front, you're dominant to where you have your quarterback throwing the ball on his back foot, kind of like how uh, Baker Mayfield was looking this past week, right? Where Baker Mayfield, most of the game, was tossing that ball up and hoping the guy that Van Jefferson or someone would come down with it. But the Rams need that. We need to cause that pressure to help the defensive backs because that's the only, I mean, I feel like that's the only way we're going to get better in the offseason. Um, I agree. And, you know, I got to say two things here and then we'll wrap it up. Um, but two things I got to say, Cam, first thing, <laughs> this offense last year was very, very good and they didn't even have a running game. So if they have a running game next year, like if Cam Akers can run at the level he's running right now, and then you go away from that running game, you know, like at least you still have a good like offense, but like the fact that you could have a running game that you could actually lean on, uh, which would help you out in the passing attack. If that happens, if it translates what we're seeing right now to next year, be very prepared for this team to go back to the Super Bowl. I'm just Coop. saying that right now. Um, <laughs> Cooper Cup, let's you know, go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I have no idea what they're going to do with their offense. I don't know, you know, if they're going to keep Allen Robinson, they're going to keep that train rolling, or if they're going to move on from him. I thought I saw a lot of really good things on film going back to the, you know, the Panthers game, the Cardinals game, the Falcons game uh, in particular, but um, you know, he's somebody that I think you, you give him another chance. Uh, you know, obviously you want to, but it's more about that contract. And it's like, you know, if we want to bring so-and-so back, maybe we might have to part with a Rob. And then if woods comes available, that's a no brainer. You, you scoop up woods, you beg him to come back. You, you <laughs> offer him a, you know, a piece of the steak in the Rams. I don't know. Like you just, <laughs> you beg woods to come back. Things have been different without him. Uh, so on that, but then the second thing I'll say, Cam, number two is no knock at Rashad samples. Okay. But since Thomas Brown took over as the de facto running back coach again, 
And he's also doing the tight ends. If I'm not mistaken, the running game has been a lot better. (laughs) I mean, that's not a knock on samples. Who's a young dude. This is his first NFL job. Uh, you know, and he, he's making do like, he's going to have, uh, I think he's the passing game coordinator for Arizona state next year. I could be absolutely wrong. could have butchered that, but anyway, he's going to be fine. This is not a knock on him. This is just to show you though, that this is not a coincidence and it's not about him. It's about Thomas Brown. I really believe Thomas Brown is going to be a head coach next year. Mm-hmm. Cause I think teams are looking at this guy. Like, man, we can't, we got to stop hiring Josh McDaniels of the world and we got to give a guy like Thomas Brown a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, for real, because that all it takes is that one opportunity. And what I think is like lost on people is that just to have a leader of men, you don't need a guy that was a coordinator before. He doesn't have to be an offensive coordinator. Some guys are never coordinators, but they're leaders. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's my case. Um, Brown has been an assistant head coach for a couple of years now, won a Super Bowl at the Rams doing that running back coach cannot stop hearing enough good things about him uh, throughout the people I've talked to. I'm just saying, be prepared. He's probably out the door because it just takes that one team. That's like, you know what? We want some young blood in here. We want a, a leader. We want, you know, the next Sean McVay. And I'm not saying that Thomas Brown is going to be that because quite honestly, Thomas Brown isn't the offensive mind that McVeigh is right. He's not an offensive coordinator right now. And he was passed up on for Liam Cohen, but that doesn't mean he can't be. And that doesn't mean that he's not a leader. And when I hear that Sean McVeigh is like, man, he challenges me to be better. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what you want to hear. And yeah. And the thing about Sean is that, like he knows losing a guy like Thomas Brown would be a loss, but he wants these guys to have success. You know, he, he, he believes in promotion. It's why he's, he doesn't block anything really. I mean, he blocked that one year. I think it was Brandon Staley who was trying to take our defensive coordinator, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I think at the end of the day, Sean McVay wants guys to be promoted uh, from within and, and, you know, promoted from the outside as well. And it's why, you know, he's always crediting like Shane Waldron, who they'll be playing this weekend. Um, but yeah, it just just be prepared because Thomas Brown, I'm just telling you now, if you listen to this show, you will not be prepared when Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport or whoever says Thomas Brown has been hired by so-and-so. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm telling you it's going to happen because people yeah. are going to be like from a running backs coach. Like, yeah. Yeah, Jake, it happens here first. I realize a lot of things that we say on this podcast, we see it happen on Sunday, right? We talk about the 12 personnel, adding in more tight ends. You see you see Hopkins come in in the 21 personnel as a fullback, blocking as a tight end. I mean, it. I think we, we're focused on the Rams specifically inside and out, right? Like this, it pays the bills. This helps with viewership and everything. So we, we make sure we, we, we tune into whatever the Rams are doing. And so... A lot of the things we say here on this podcast, they come into fruition. Uh, I don't know if you if you notice it. I'm, I'm sure you have. But the people that are listening, things that we speak about on this podcast come into fruition are game changers, right? Uh, we talked about Mike Will for the Chargers becoming a game changer. We knew they were going to double team some people. And then Mike Will was going to be that guy they were going to throw to. And he happened to be that guy that they were going to throw to, right? And so... You know, at the end of this year, we're, gonna, we're probably going to have to go back, Jake, and clip away some of the things that we said on this podcast that actually really happened once the season ends because 
We know what we're talking about. We know our stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, we owe it to the audience to know what we're talking about. And I think that that's a really big thing. But, you know, you can, o- you can only go as far as your co-host. So, <laughs> I mean, hey, you know. You know what you're talking about. Yeah, man. And I mean, it, it works out. It works out well. We got that dynamic. Man, I'm bummed the season is coming to an end. I, it's, it's a bittersweet moment because we're going to continue doing this thing. Um, but I do like talking about games, even though this team is 5-11 and 11 right now. Uh, <laughs> I do like talking about games. And I'm like, it's bittersweet because it's like, man, I don't want like to stop seeing the Rams on my TV. But at the yeah. same time, I kind of want to stop seeing the Rams on my TV. Like I, I want to see next year's Rams on my TV. Like, yes. I, I want to see what is likely going to be one of the most, I, I mean, maybe we can use the word, I don't want to say divisive off seasons, unless you're talking about fans. Cause everyone's going to be yelling at each other about different things they should do. Um, I would say diverse. It's definitely going to be the most different off season. I think we've seen in the Sean McVay era. Uh, because we have no idea what's going to happen. I mm. don't think it's a scenario where they just clean house. Um, I don't think it's a scenario, though, where you know you necessarily bring back everybody. Um, you try to run it back because there's nothing to run back right now. You know, you mm. got to get back to where you were. And I think there's going to be some tough decisions to make. And that may come down to, you know, Allen Robinson. Do you keep him with that $15 million? Leonard Floyd. Dude is having a monster end to his season, but can they afford to pay him 20 million next year, which is what like Von Miller's making, you know, that's mm-hmm. the tough decision that you have to make. And it's not just that it goes all across the board. Who's going to be the left tackle. You know, you have Alaric Jackson, who I like a lot and you know, he's dealing with, he had the blood clots that ended his season, but before he had that, he was killing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you really like him and he's a the guy they really like. But then you also paid Joseph Noteboom to be that guy. And, and you worked with him. And, and you kept him around all those years, despite the fact that Whitworth was always that left tackle. Do you even consider trying to bring Whitworth back next year? Is that even a discussion you have? Um, I think it's more likely, personally, that he would have been back this year if he came back. Um, but at the same time, who knows? The team wasn't exactly great this year. Things weren't going their way. Maybe if that's a nine and O team or something, everyone goes down. What it's like, man, I don't know. I kind of want to, I want I kind of want to come back. Yeah, no but more Amazon know. prime on Thursday. Let me just hop back on the yeah. field. <laughs> it, it's one of those things though, Cam, where you look at all of the things that can happen and all of the, just nothing is guaranteed. Like I see like, You know, and and I'm guilty of this too. You put out a tweet and it's like, this is the projected offense. What is the projected offense? We don't even know if they're going to stick with Brian Allen. We don't know if they'll be like, man, we can't do with the injuries anymore. We love your talent. We love you in the locker room. Can't do with your injuries anymore. It's just, we need a consistent guy on at center who we know isn't going to get hurt all the time. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that can change. The whole safety room could change. You know, Taylor Rapp, does he come back? Probably not. Nick Scott, does he come back? I don't know. You know, and it's like you're dealing with all these guys. Troy Hill, do they bring him back? I mean, I like that veteran presence. Didn't have the best year, but also wasn't healthy in the majority of it. When he played, I thought he was pretty solid. So uh, they have a lot of decisions to make. I think only the the only thing that you you really know for sure, and, and you don't even know that Akers will be back next year. I mean, let's be honest. They get a really good deal. Maybe they'll just be like, 
I don't know, man. That second rounder sure looks good right about now. Uh, but for real, though, we don't know. Uh, all we know is that as long as Aaron Donald doesn't retire, and I don't think he's going to, the Rams have Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner to build around. Mm-hmm. That those the, They have a core five now. They got Kobe Durant, who we're excited about. They got... Uh, Michael Hoyt, who has made significant strides who, you know, they're going to try to move down to like the 275 range and play, you know, outside linebacker full time next year. We don't know about Leonard Floyd. We don't know about Allen Robinson. We don't know about Van Jefferson. Did they like what they saw to Van Jefferson this year to continue that? Or are they going to try and trade him? Are they going to draft a guy? We do not know. And so I think that is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, because I think people are going to love it. And I think people are also going to hate it. And we kind of saw a little bit of that last year when Robert Woods was traded. I went live and I blew a gasket. I mean, I was so <laughs> pissed when they traded away woods. Um, but I mean, it kind of gave us an idea. I mean, this is a team that moved on from Gurley, uh, you know, only two years after they were in the super bowl, uh, moved on from Jared Goff three years after they were in the super bowl. Um, you know, moved on from Michael Brockers of all guys moved on from Robert Woods. So I, I think this team has shown you, I know it, you know, it's family and on three and all that, but <laughs> La Familia. you know, it, it, we, we know how it works. You yeah. know, no one is guaranteed unless you're one of the top, top guys yeah. who control your own destiny, if you will. Yeah. And one thing I would like to say too, Jake, I, mean, I know we're talking about some of the players and what players will fit and who won't fit. Also, too, I want the Rams to look internally to the coaching staff and to their training staff as well, right? We talked about that. All these daggone injuries this year, unacceptable, right? Can't happen next year. So they have to figure out, hey, what are we doing in our training program? What can we do next year better? That's I think that's just that's number one. How can we get guys healthier next year, sustainable throughout the year? I think that's numero uno. Number two, coaches, making sure that the, the right coaches are in that building, right? Who's going to be doing what? Because I think we saw throughout the season, the Rams identity on offense change a little bit, right? Like there's different plays, different things. Of course, the quarterback change, but seeing different things. So I think figuring out what the identity is going to be next year on offense, regardless of who's in the game, right? I mean, making sure that they plan for the different quarterbacks that are in the game, different packages, what that looks like. So get that ironed out before the season starts, not mid-season, but before the season starts. We know we know that Matthew Stafford has a thing with concussions, uh, with his spine. So prepare for the next quarterback to be in before the season starts, not during the season. And then number three, we talked about, you talked about some of the players, right? The, the players are going to fit that 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 scheme. So once they figure out who's going to be calling the schemes and what the identity of the offense and defense will look like, then figure out which players can match that. But I think this year we just got a mix out of everything. Quarterbacks went down. Okay. What's our offensive scheme going to be like? What are, what's our play calls going to be like? We realized it when Wolford was in, it was super simple. There wasn't complexity to it. Baker Mayfield comes in and okay, the playbook opens up. And so just figuring out what that looks like prior and then figuring out which players fit that. Because I do think it's a little unfair to the players, you know, a Jalen Ramsey doing things from A to Z when he should just be doing a couple of things. So he doesn't get crushed by a Travis Kelsey, you know, like Devontae Adams. Like we shouldn't be seeing him get crushed like that. So finding the identity from the coaching staff first and then working to the players, I think that's extremely important. 
I agree. I mean, maybe at some point, like you were saying, you, you know, they're going to get an opportunity to watch every game. That's what happens. The, the season ends and the, the brass of the Rams watches every game over and they're going to get into a room and they're going to be like that guy. We're not bringing back that guy. We're going to extend him. We like him long-term. He showed a lot of good things. And I think at some point or another, they might have to look inside and be like, look, <laughs> Jalen is phenomenal, but maybe the where's Waldo star role just isn't the best way to use him. Maybe even they start to see, you know, a, de a decline at the corner position. Right. And they say, what about moving this guy to free safety? You know, he could do it all. He could be like our own Derwin James. You know, we move into free safety. That way he has a position. We don't worry about all the, you know, all this, the star role and everything and having him do multiple things. He plays free safety. We utilize that range, you know, and then we can now know what we need to look at in the draft and free agency. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are some good corners out there. If you're still going to play that soft shell coverage, then you're going to need tackling corners. I say Jamel Dean of Tampa is a no brainer. If you're doing that, I mean, he's mm -hmm. the best tackling corner in all of football. Uh, aside from Ramsey, I'd probably say he's the best tackling corner. Um, but Jamel Dean is phenomenal in the back end in the secondary in the safety uh, spot. There is a guy by the name of uh, love uh, Julian love. And he used to play uh, for Notre Dame. He actually really caught on with the giants this past year, moved to safety. He'd be a good option. Um, do you want to keep Nick Scott? He's, you know, he's your assassin, right? And we've talked about that, but like, do you want to keep him? Jordan Fuller's going to be back. Where, where does he fit in all this? So it's definitely a lot to talk about. It's <laughs> going to give us a ton of content to discuss uh, throughout the off season. And then when it gets dead, we're going to have story time with Cam. All right. I'm more <laughs> excited for that, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we get some other players, you know, on the podcast and people from the believe network as well from believe in C Seattle or just different teams that we face to get their perspective, yeah. right. As they prepare for these games, kind of what they saw and, what that looks like. So I'm excited to finish the season strong. Hopefully we get a dub against the Seattle Seahawks, right? We run the ball well. We pass the ball well. We force turnovers. Bobby Wagner balls out and prepare for the offseason. There's a lot of work yeah. to do. <laughs> if Bobby Wagner catches the touchdown, we know Sean McVay listens to this show. Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> like right. if he's if he's lined up as a tight end, like yeah. he's pulling a Mike Vrabel for yeah. the Patriots and he comes out of you know and he catches the now we know there, yeah. there, there's no debate it's not <laughs> oh you guys no no we know Sean's, Sean's tuned <laughs> so, in. <laughs> we uh so so we'll be back later on the week to give you a full preview of the game we're still doing that by the way uh so we'll give you a full preview of the last game of the year we'll make it our best preview yet we'll give it our all we'll put in all the juice but we got more stuff coming so do not leave us after this season because we're going to continue on. Uh, this podcast ain't going to die. So don't, don't leave, but um, appreciate you guys. Be sure to like subscribe, comment. You can follow me at JK Bogan. You can follow cam at Cameron Lynch 50. And uh, once again, you know, this has been believe in Rams, but it's also been a bigger than football uh, podcast. If you will, we started it off and we're going to finish it the same way. We're wishing DeMar Hamlin and his family all the best. We're praying for him. We're hoping he pulls through. 
this is a very scary situation. You should not take this lightly. Um, and if you do want to donate, if if I understand if you can't, but if you do want to donate, the link is in uh, the comment section below. Feel free to hit that link. And if you can't donate, just pass it along. Uh, mm -hmm. Passing the link along is just going to be uh, just as good. It's going to help out uh, in a big way. Get that thing spread around. Um, there's no limit, you know, on on that donation, right? There, there's there's no limit. I know they're at four million. We're going to keep running that thing up. So that's what we intend to do. And hopefully, you know, when Damar comes out of this, you know, he's going to see it and it's going to make his day. So, uh, you know, really appreciate you guys uh, for again, watching again, we're pulling for Damar and um, you know, we'll be back later on the week, but uh, you know, prayers go out to the Hamlin family and, uh, and to the rest of Bill's mafia and, you know, the Bill's community. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.